Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God. We worship you here tonight, Father. Hallelujah. You are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. Hallelujah. You are our source, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are healer. Come on, come on. Just lift your hands one more time. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to pump or prime anything, but during that last song, I felt a shift in this house. Not that, not that the presence of God wasn't already here, but I felt something begin to break and shift in here and faith begin to rise in the hearts of people that, that you were beginning to, to really truly understand, as Pastor said, the, the phrase of let it be done, of taking your hands completely off of it and understanding and knowing what his word, what, it, what, what really is his word over your life here tonight that is settled in heaven? What is that? It is resurrection, resurrection of your spirit, soul, and body, and your heart. It is resurrection of your life. It is healing over your body, healing over your soul, and healing over your mind. It is wholeness. Those are the words that are settled in heaven over you here tonight. Hallelujah. And that is enough to stand to your feet one more time in this house and say, God, whatever it is you have for me tonight, whether it's healing, whether it's resurrection, whether it's breakthrough, whether it's redemption, whether it's wholeness, let it be done tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. What is it for you tonight? What is it for you tonight? Hallelujah. Just think of it just for a moment. I'm going to move on because I do feel like I have a word from the Lord here tonight. But take just a moment and think. What is the word that is settled in heaven over your life here tonight? And I want you to lift your hands and say, let it be done. Because I don't care what, what kind of false doctrine people may be saying or what kind of, kind of preacher may be going back on the word of the Lord and saying that miracles are not available today, that they stopped when the last apostle died. But I'm here to tell you tonight, miracles are available to you in this house tonight. How do I know it? Because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced it myself in my own life. God healing my body of Lyme's disease. I've seen it happen for multiple individuals in this house that I can testify and and say, I saw the miracle that God performed in Pastor Jade's life. I saw the miracle God has already done and is still doing in Brother Justin's life. I've seen it in Maddie's life. I've seen it in Garrett's life, Lexi's life, my wife's life. I've seen it time and time again to tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt that miracles are available for you tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight before I rabbit trail and go off the rails. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can you feel that in here tonight? I don't just say it because I'm the one that's got the mic and I'm trying to get you to back me or yell and scream and holler and jump. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I, I feel a stirring in the waters here tonight that I, I really feel like I feel like somebody's going to get resurrected in this house tonight whether it's a spirit I, I know most of you in here tonight or whether and whether it's maybe somebody watching on live stream but I feel the resurrection power of Jesus Christ right now hallelujah if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1 <coughs> And before I get going, how many can testify and say that the greatest miracle that anybody could ever experience is the resurrection of somebody's spirit, the resurrection of somebody's soul? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for standing here tonight. Just one verse of scripture, chapter number 19, verse number 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of them, of, <clears throat> excuse me, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, 
And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Hallelujah. With the help of the Lord tonight, I'd, lo- I'd, he- I'd like to preach a title that the Lord gave me, Sitting at the Gate. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your spirit and presence that is in this house tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for what you've already done in this service. We thank you for everything you're going to do in the remainder of this service here tonight, Lord God. Whoever may be in this house tonight, Lord God, wherever they're at in their spirit, Lord God, wherever they're at in their walk with you, even if they do not know you, God, we're believing in this house, Lord, that they are going to experience your resurrection power, Lord God, that they're going to experience redemption, Lord God, that they're going to experience, Father, the rescuing of the Savior. Hallelujah. And we ask it all and declare it all in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask that you would anoint me to preach this word as you've given it to me father in the name of Jesus amen hallelujah this and as I said I really believe that this is the word that the Lord gave me several weeks ago when pastor pastor Ronnie asked me to come and preach this night of the resurrection camp meeting and and this I believe is what the the word that the Lord gave me it's a little different style than what I'm used to getting from the Lord so You just have to bear with me for a little bit. I talked with Pastor Jade and Pastor JT and a few others, and I'm like, you guys, guys gotta pray for me. This is this is this is a stretching for me. This is a little different direction than what I'm used to. So just if you wouldn't mind just bearing with me for a moment. I might not shout, jump, holler, and run, but we'll we might get there at some point. But praise God. But in our text tonight, we read of Abraham's Lot being visited by two angels at the gate of Sodom where Lot is living at the time. And most people, whether they have any exposure to church or scripture or not, they understand and they know that when you mention the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah or the person being Lot, they know that these cities and Lot are associated with destruction and being places that God wiped off the face of the earth due to their wickedness. They are, they are known as the cities of destruction and wickedness and evil. And our text was the beginning of a chapter, but it was really the culmination and the beginning of the end of a progression in Lot's life that took place six chapters before in Genesis chapter number 13. Because Lot's life did not take a drastic downward spiral all in one day or just a few days time period. But it started in Genesis chapter number 13 verse number 10 when the Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld all of the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. Hallelujah. How many knows that the devil can paint a very pretty picture but the old saying still rings true today he uses cheap paint hallelujah and when all of that paint washes away we finally see what is underneath the false picture that he has painted praise God but it goes to show the importance of not making a decision solely based on how something looks Amen. It goes to show that we cannot just look at something and say, well, that looks pretty good. That looks all right. That, that looks, that looks like it's, it's, it's a, it's a right decision. But Abraham and Lot, they had to separate and they had to go in different directions and they had to take their flocks and their families with them. And Abram said to Lot, let's not have any strife, but there is all of this land before us. So let's go our separate ways and use and take advantage of all of this land that is around us and choose which direction each of us are going to go. And when the decision was presented before Lot, as I read in verse number 10 in chapter number 13, he looked at the outward appearance but not the true nature of the direction that he was going to go. He saw all of the well-watered plains and that it looked good to the, on the outside and that he, the land would physically sustain his family and their flocks. Can y'all still hear me or did they lose the mic? I'm good? Okay, just making sure. I lost myself up here. <laughs> but he saw all of the well-watered plains and that it looked good on the outside and that the land would physically sustain his family and the flocks. 
But he failed to look beyond the outer facade and see the true heart and the true nature of the direction that he was heading and the place that had caught his attention. So, number one tonight, Lot let his eyes deceive him. Lot let his eyes deceive him and he allowed the lust of his eyes to catch his attention and to pull him in that direction. From the fall of man when the Bible tells us that Eve looked at the fruit and saw that it was good for food. The Bible says she saw it. She saw it with her own eyes and she said that it was good for food and that it was pleasing to her eyes. Hallelujah. And from that, from the very beginning, from that happening, all of the way to David looking on Bathsheba, and all of the way until now where we see so many people letting their eyes and the way things look deceive us and deceive them. We see things. I promise I'm going somewhere. Just bear with me for just, just a little bit of time. I promise I'm going somewhere. We're going to get there tonight. Just bear with me. We see things. They look harmless at first. They don't look like anything other than what is presented to us. But hear me tonight when I say that everything that Satan presents to us and everything that this world shows us, every single one of them all have ulterior motives and a hidden agenda. And that is to bind us up and to lead us to destruction. No matter how it looks at first, if it is something that is of this world and not mission in the end is to get you so bound up in sin and bondage that you find yourself off of the path of righteousness and off of the path of life and on the road to destruction. I say it all of the time, but it still rings true. Satan never comes in full force right off the rip. He never comes and, 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 and he never comes revealing his agenda and revealing who he is and revealing what his plan is. But the Bible says in Genesis that the serpent was the subtlest of all of the creatures that he snuck in. And that is how Satan still works today. He finds the smallest crack possible, the smallest crack in a door that is open, and he slithers his way in and he begins to plant seeds here and there. It begins with maybe something small that just pops up on your social media feed and next thing you know that image is just running through your mind and, and then next thing you know the, how the algorithms with social media works if, if, you, if you stop on that one thing and just glance at it for just a second next thing you know that's all that your feed is full of. You keep scrolling. You're trying to get away from it but the enemy found that crack and he's planting that seed and he's still seeing it and you're still seeing it maybe when you can you hear there we go got it okay praise God thank you pastors Or when you're driving through town and you catch your eye wandering off of in a direction to a billboard or something as simple as that. Or you catch your mind beginning to wander and then you catch yourself. Next thing you know, you're trying to make excuses of why it's okay of what your mind is pondering on and what your eyes are seeing. And you're trying to justify it of why it's okay. Eve said that the fruit was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. But that did not mean that it was okay to partake of it because God had commanded them not to. Now, I'm not going to go legalistic tonight, but I am here to tell you tonight, we are called to be a separate people. We are called out of this, we are called out of darkness and into this marvelous light. I'm here to tell you tonight, there needs to be a difference in the life of a believer. There needs to be a difference in the life of a Holy Ghost filled Christian. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we carry ourselves, the way that we walk across and say, I don't want the things of this world. You may want those things of this world. You don't say it in in an arrogant or a better than you way, but you say it in a way of, I once was bound by
hungry and still searching for that next thing that looks pleasant to the eye and to try and fill us because there is nothing in this world that can satisfy your hungry souls like Jesus can. Hallelujah. I can testify to you tonight. I tried some of the things of this world. I tried to fill my hungry spirit and to fill that void in my heart with some of the things of this world. But one night at an altar, I found what would satisfy me. I found the missing piece of the puzzle called my heart. And his name was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Number two here tonight. Number one, Lot let his eyes deceive him. Number two, Lot made his decision on his own and he separated himself from Abraham. Signifying separating himself from the presence of God. Now, one could argue that Lot did not know the level or the wickedness of Sodom at that time. And it really would be a valid assumption. But that is why decisions should never be made on your own without going to God first and seeing what his will is and not your own will. Hallelujah. Because even if Lot did not know of the wickedness of Sodom, God knew the wickedness of Sodom. And God knew that in the near future, Sodom and Gomorrah would be destroyed. And God does not send people down a road that leads to destruction. But he sends people down a road that leads to life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Verse 11 in chapter 13 says, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Lot made his decision and he chose the plains of Jordan towards Sodom and then he separated himself from the one who carried the presence of God with him. Abram was a friend of God. Abram communed with God. He met with God in person. He was the one during that time period where he, people, he, he was the one who carried the presence of God with him. But Lot said, I'm going that way, and I'm separating myself from Abram, separating himself from the presence of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The most dangerous thing you can do, the most dangerous thing you can do is to begin to isolate yourself from the presence of God. What is hell? Hell is a place where the presence of God is not. Hell is the place where the presence of God is not. When you separate yourself from the presence of God, you are placing yourself in hell on earth. We're not, what we're seeing now, what we're seeing now in this world is nothing in comparison to what hell is really like. And if it's bad enough here, why in the world would you want to go to a place that is far worse? Hallelujah. Hell is a place where the presence of God is not. And, 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 God, and Lot separated himself. And I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, Lot separated himself from the presence of God. And when he did that is when the progression began to increase. He began to get closer and closer to Sodom. He began to get closer and closer to the wickedness and closer and closer to the evils of Sodom. And I'm here to tell you tonight. My friend, when you begin to separate yourself from the presence of God, from the house of God, I'm here to tell you, it's a place you don't want to go. It's an area that you don't want to frequent because you're on the road to destruction. You're on the road to taking yourself to a place and to a pit that you will find yourself in that you can't get your own self out of. Hallelujah. <clears throat> when we begin to isolate and to not yield to his still small voice speaking to us. When we begin to close our ears and close our hearts and say, 
that looks real good. I'm just going to make my decision, and I'm just going to go that way. Friend, that is on a road that you do not want to go down. That is on a road that leads to destruction. Hallelujah. And some of those, hallelujah, that is a road that has been walked by very many people. A road that has been walked by several that are not here today. A road that is walked by those that are not here today, but if they were, they would tell you, get off of this road. They would tell you if they could, hallelujah, from wherever they're at in eternity, they would tell you, get off of that road. Get off of this road. This is, a, this is not a place. I've been there, and I've done that, and I'm not there to tell you about it. But if I was, I would tell you, get off of this road. Hallelujah. The man in the New Testament who caught the eyes of the man who was in the New the rich man in Lazarus, the rich man said he looked up, and he looked up from the pits of hell, and he said, oh, Abraham, Father Abraham, please let me go back and warn my family not to go down the road that I was on. If they could tell you tonight, they'd say, get off of the road. And there are some that are in this house tonight that walk that very road that are here to tell you the story. And they're, and they're screaming from their spirits. I see that road. I see the separation. I see the isolation. I can see it in your eyes because it was the same person that I was looking at in the mirror day in and day out. And if you talk with them, you'll hear them say, get off of this road. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the pleasures of sin are yet for a season. But in the end, I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, you are going to pay the price at some point. If you don't, if you don't repent and if you don't get out of that place, if you continue in the pleasures of sin and if you continue down that road, I'm here to tell you that it will catch up with you at some point. The, the, that scripture, it said that Moses chose to stay with the Hebrew children that rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses knew if I stay there, I'll be bound there. If I stay there I'll die there if I stay there I'll die there and I'll die away from God but I'll go this way I'll take this road that leads to life and life more abundantly I may not have as much fun like the world may call it but I'll tell you what in the end the only price I pay is eternity and glory Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 7, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which find it. It's a wide gate that leads to destruction. Because when you look at it, it looks like an easy traveled road. It's a road that is well worn down. And it's a road full of your own decisions and full of the things that this world has to offer. A road that looks fun at the very beginning. But the further down that you travel, the closer and closer you begin to see the destruction at the end of that road. When I crossed the state line here into Indiana... I can't see, I'm coming here. I'm coming here or coming to that house. I don't really, when we come out, when we cross that state line, a couple places we got, we're going. When I cross the state line, I make that S curve, 725 turns into 44. I can't see where I'm going. I can't see where 44 leads. But it's taking you somewhere. You're on a road tonight, friend. You may not be able to see that destination, but it's taking you somewhere. What road are you on? You can't, you can't see the destruction at the end of the road, Pastor Jade. You can't, see, you can't see the flames in the pits of hell that that road of destruction's taking you to. But I'm here to tell you. If you don't get off of that road and hang a right or hang a left or make a full, complete U-turn and turn all the way around, that's where it's taking you. Hallelujah. 
had Lot allowed God to choose for him the direction he wanted him to go and to take his family, he would not have chosen a place. God would not have chosen him a place that he knew was so wicked that he was going to and knew that he was going to destroy in the future. But because Lot relied on his own decision making and the lust of his eyes and flesh, it sent him on the path that led him out of the presence and the will of God. Number three here tonight. He turned away and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Once you turn away from God and quit looking in his direction and you are fully looking towards this world, you open up yourself and allow the enemy to begin to set his hooks in on your heart and your spirit. And you will begin to be drawn to things that have never tempted you before. But now all of a sudden there is a pulling that begins to take place to pull you deeper and deeper into sin and further and further away from God than you've ever been. I can tell you, I can tell you that when I was not saved, that when I was not right from God, when I was not right with God, when I was trying to actively get away from God, and was turning away from him. I can tell you from experience, there was things that I never battled, things that had never tempted me before, and things that had never even crossed my mind before that began to just pull on me, that began to pull on me, and they began to pull my eyes, and my heart began to wonder what in the I wonder what that's like. That looks all right. That looks okay. It was pulling. There was a pulling, Sister Vonda. There was a, a, a pulling because the enemy sees I've got their attention. Everybody, I've heard it said from on pulpits across America, you give him an inch, he takes a mile. You turn, and he's going to grab a hold of you and say, come on, let's go, buddy. I got your attention now. Now come on. Let's go have some fun. Let's really, let's really go and let's live it up. Let's get going. You've turned away from him. You've turned away from God. And now these things are pulling on you. Lot had never been exposed to that level of wickedness before. <coughs> But when he turned away from God, there was that pulling that said, that spot looks good and I'm going to go that way. Verse number 13 says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. The pulpit commentary describes the wickedness of Sodom as their vileness was restrained neither in quantity or quality. As it passed all height and arrogance, so it burst all bounds in prevalence. There was no limitations that kept them when it came to the wickedness. There was no moral code that they tried to uphold. No law that they answered to. They allowed their flesh and the enemy to control all of their actions and decisions. And when we continually allow that in our lives, all it does is separate us further and further away from the presence of God, deeper and deeper into sin and tighter and tighter in the chains and the yokes of bondage that the enemy has us in. We look at so many people in our world today that are so pulled and so drawn by this world that they feel like they cannot get out of it. Listen. Lot was kidnapped. He was kidnapped, him and several others. But yet when he was rescued by Abraham, he still went back to Sodom. He still went back to Sodom after he was rescued by his uncle. He was out of there. He was out of the wickedness. He was, out of, he was out of that wicked and evil city. But there was still that pulling. Still, still that drawing from the enemy. Still that, still that tugging of, uh, 
I'm out of there, but gosh, something's pulling me back. Gosh, I'm, I'm out of there, but oh, I got to go back. I can't get away from it. I can't stay away from it. Lot was so deceived and he was so bound by that city. He established his family there. His daughters took, his daughters took husbands there. His wife, his, his family was so established in that city that when the angel said, do not look back on that city, she looked back and was destroyed. Such a hold and such a tugging. I believe I'm, I don't, I don't know if it's anybody in here. I believe I'm, I believe the Lord's talking to somebody tonight. There's that tugging. There's that tugging and tugging and tugging. You come to altar call after altar call after altar call, and you feel like you get it. You feel like you get it. You feel like you get it. But there's that tugging when you get out of the house, and you keep going back. You keep ending up back there. God, I've been rescued. Thank you. You rescued me. And I'm not saying it in a derogatory way here tonight because I've been there. I've been there. But you find yourself right back in the same situation all over again. Whether it be the next day, the next week, the next month, the next, next year. But I'm here to tell you tonight. There's a place in this house for full and total deliverance. There's a, there's a place in this house for full and total deliverance and rescuing. Hallelujah. I don't know where you find yourself at here tonight. But this, this scripture in, in our text tonight in Genesis 19 and, chapter, and verse number 1, it, it so gripped me when I read it. Because we read about everything that we hear about and we've, we've heard about everything going on within us inside Sodom. All of the party life and the nightlife and the lifestyle that they were living. But we find Lot sitting at the gate outside of the city. Now in, my, in, in, in studying this scripture, there's a couple different theories that I found that people that theologians and, and ministers have regarding this scripture of why he was sitting at the gate outside of the city. Everything's going on, but lots away from everything. The first theory that I that I ran across and discovered and talked with several a few other ministers about, the first one being that they believe that Lot was in a position of authority because at the gate is where the market was at. At the gate was where, you know, people coming into the city, that was where everything started. They, be, they believed that Lot was in a position of authority, possibly even the mayor of the city, being because of Abram, his family, rescuing him and several others after they were kidnapped and saving the life of the king of Sodom and all of their belongings and the material goods they believed that it elevated Lot to a position of authority within the city. Could be, but only an assumption. This perspective being, and this theory, I believe, represents the perspective of a person who is not right with God, where they're in the pleasures of sin right now. Where everything seems to be going good where everything seems to be going great in their life, maybe even elevated in life right now. But you're still bound by sin. You're still on that road to destruction. And you're still not right with God. And you're still out of the presence of God. No matter how great your life is going, friend, without Jesus in your life, at some point in time, it's all going to come crashing down. We see so many celebrities on our social media feeds and all throughout headlines. All we read about is overdoses, suicides, movie stars, pro athletes, multimillionaires. Robin Williams, one of the most successful comedians and movie stars of our lifetime, 
multi, multi-millionaire. They found him. I don't mean to be blunt tonight. They found him hanging in his own home. Josh Hamilton, one of my favorite baseball players. Number, one of the first, I believe he was number one. Was he number one draft pick, Pastor Jade? May have been number one draft pick in the Major League Baseball when he was 18 years old. Signed a contract for several million dollars at 18. We find Josh Hamilton several years down the road addicted to cocaine, suspended by the Major League Baseball Association, laying in a gutter, strung out, lost his wife, lost his child. Hallelujah. And I could go on and on here tonight. Elevated lifestyles. Everything going great by the world's standards. More money than they knew what to do with. People coming to them. You're the best. You're the greatest. You're everything. You're the best at this. But at the end of the day, they find themselves. Who am I? What is all of this? They find themselves sitting at the gate. The other theory... <coughs> the other theory that I stumbled across or that I came across being that Lot was sitting at the gate of the city trying to separate himself from all of the wickedness going on within. That he was trying to separate himself but he couldn't fully get away from the city. He couldn't fully, he didn't, he wanted, he wanted to get away. He wanted to get out of that place. He wanted to get out of Sodom, but he didn't know how. He said, I don't, I know it draws me back. I know it's pulling on me, and I want to get away from it, but I don't know how. Some even believe that he was sitting at the gate warning others as they came into the city, don't stay long. Don't stay long here. I know, I know that you're coming in, but please just pass through. Please don't stay. Listen, if you come into this city, because we see when the angels even came in, when the angels came to the gate, he said, we got to get out of here. We got we to gotta get out of here. We got to get in my house quick. We got to get out of here right now. We can't stay outside. He Lot knew the evil of that city. He knew what was going to take place if they did not seek shelter and if they did not get off of the street. And, the, and they, the Bible says that they came and they said, let us have these two men that you came. Let us have these two men that are in your house. They believed that Lot even was warning the people as they were coming into the city. And I believe, as I said, that this represents the perspective of one being bound by sin, wanting to be free, but not necessarily knowing how to get free, but also warning others not to wander down the same path that they went down for too long, lest they end up in the same state. Both are simply just theories. The Bible doesn't tell us for sure on either perspective. But I believe that God is talking to both perspectives here in this house tonight. I believe that God is speaking to people that are in a state of elevation where everything is going good, but I also believe that God, through His Holy Spirit, is speaking to people that are also at rock bottom right now and saying, I don't care how what I got to do to get free, just let me get free here tonight. Friend, it doesn't matter the perspective you're in here tonight, but I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, just like Lot found himself sitting at the gate, God still sent his angels to rescue Lot, and this is where I'm going tonight. God is still here in this house, no matter where you're at, to rescue you and to resurrect you tonight. <coughs> Hallelujah. He's letting you know tonight that no matter where, what gate you, no matter what your perspective may be at the gate that you're sitting at, there still is a door of escape in your life tonight. And his name is Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. God won't ever leave you where you're at in sin without offering and presenting to you a way out of the place that you're in. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with every temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Friend, there is no power of hell, no chain or bondage that the enemy may have you wrapped up in that is stronger than the chain-breaking and resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What does this have to do with resurrection, Austin? Hallelujah, friend. Jesus resurrected nearly 2,000 years ago. Also that on this night, your spirit and soul could be resurrected and you could be born again. Hallelujah. Pastor preached it yesterday. He said, he did so you can. He died the death that you deserved. He died the death that I deserved. He paid the price and the debt that we could not pay. And he resurrected so that you could be resurrected here tonight. Hallelujah. He didn't come down as God in flesh, live a sinless life for 33 years, present himself as a spotless, perfect sacrifice to the Father, take 39 stripes on his back for our healing, then be nailed to a cross for our sins, die, go to the very depths of hell and take the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and then rise and resurrect on the third day for us to stay in the grave of sin and stay bound by wicked one more day hallelujah John chapter 11 Jesus is with Martha Martha the brother of Martha's brother Lazarus he has died he's been dead for four days decomposition has already began to set in and take place he is dead and there is no doubt about it Martha comes out and says to Jesus oh Lord if you'd have only been here if you'd have only been here sooner, my brother would not have died. Hallelujah. If you'd have only been here sooner, my brother would not be in the state or the condition that he is in right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't care how deep you may be right now. I don't care how spiritually dead you may feel. I don't care whether you begin, you feel like your spirit has even began to decompose and began to just become numb to the spirit of God and began to just become numb to the things of God. No matter where you're at in your spirit right now, when Jesus steps onto the scene, resurrection power still raises the dead here tonight. Hallelujah. Jesus stepped on the scene and said, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Hallelujah. And whoever believes in me, they'll not stay dead, but they'll live again. Hallelujah. And they will live for eternity. Hallelujah. No matter where you're at here tonight, if you believe on him, you will live for eternity. Hallelujah. If you would just catch yourself saying, Austin, it's pulling on me and it's pulling on me and I just, I feel spiritually dead here tonight. Then God woke me up early yesterday, early this morning, and he woke me up early the last few weeks saying, Austin, tell them, tell them, tell them, no matter where they're at, there is still resurrection power for them and it's available for them tonight. Hallelujah. The prodigal son never was out of reach of the power of God. Hallelujah. The prodigal son, no matter how far away he was in the far country, no matter how dirty he was in the hog pen, he still was not out of reach of the father, but he was still able to reach the prodigal son. And the Bible says the prodigal son turned he had turned away from God. But when it says that he turned while he was in the hog pen, friend, you can turn away from God. But that tells me you can turn back to God. Hallelujah. 
You can turn back to God here tonight. Hallelujah. And I'm also here to tell you tonight, it did not matter how dirty the prodigal son was either. It didn't matter how stinky he was from the hog pen. It didn't matter how ravaged he was from the sins of the world. It didn't matter how bound up or how broken he was or how or how cursed by sin he felt, but he was still able. He said, I will go to my father's house. I just want to be a servant in my father's house. I don't even want to be called a son anymore. I don't even want to be, I don't even want to be back into the state that I was in. But friend, God has called us. He has called us a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. He has called us a peculiar people, a select people. And you may say, I want to come back, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be that up. I don't want to be back into the sonship or the daughtership. Friend, when you come back to God, there is no other place for you. You are his son. You are his daughter and when you turn away from him if you turn back to him he'll still call you son and he'll still call you daughter hallelujah 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 no matter how no matter how dirty you may feel from the hog pen listen I I was in 4-H for several years of my life. When I was a teenager, I showed pigs for several years in that. So I raised them. I know how dirty and nasty they are. I know how bad that they smell. But it did not matter to the father. The Bible says when the father saw him from afar off, he ran to him. He didn't say, oh, you're dirty. Hold on. Let's get you washed up first. No, he fell on his neck and he hugged him and he pulled him in close and he said, go get the fatted calf. We got reason to celebrate. Go get, go get the best garment. Go get a ring. Go get a ring. Go get some shoes. And I want people to know that my son who was dead is alive. I want people to know that my son who was gone and bound by sin is now free. He's come back home. Friend, it don't matter how dirty you feel. If you just turn, the Father will meet you where you're at. Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight. I'm done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Emma. Hallelujah. I've yelled at you tonight. I told you I might not. I told you I probably wasn't going to, but I ended up doing it. Hallelujah. If you're in this house tonight or watching my live stream, I was, I was burdened. God woke me up several times. And, and, and to be honest with you, I talked with Pastor Jade. I wrestled with this word. I tried. I tried to get away from it. But the Lord kept pulling me back to it. And I kept hearing in my spirit and believing and burdened in my heart. for backsliders if you're in this house and you're in a or watching my live stream and you're in a backslidden state you've turned away from God you served him for a while and like Lot your eyes gazed upon this world and was drawn to it you began to make your own decisions and turned away from him. You separated yourself from the presence of God. Hallelujah. If it's going great or if you're at rock bottom, friend, you still need him. And he's still calling for you. Hallelujah. In prayer the last week, I heard the Lord say, 
I am raiding hog pens across this world. Did you hear me tonight? I am, he said, I am raiding hog pens across this nation and across this world. What does that mean? That means he's going to find the backslider with Holy Ghost conviction and saying, you're not right with me, but I will not leave you in this state another day without you having to step over my blood and step over my grace and step over my mercy. If you want to go to hell, and go on down that road of destruction, you're going to have to step over me to get there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're in this house tonight, and you're just, you're not right with God. You're not where you need to be with Him. You've never made that commitment to Him for salvation. Hallelujah. And you find yourself bound by this world, but not knowing, having a desire to get free, but not knowing how to do it. That door, his name is Jesus Christ. And that way of escape is here for you tonight. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you are a child of God, but you found yourself bound by things of this world, you, found, you find yourself still being drawn and being pulled by Satan to things that you want freedom from. Friend, it's for you tonight. You can get full deliverance. You can have that full resurrection in your spirit. Hallelujah. I even believe here tonight that if you were in a backslidden state and you were, or if you were living in this world, but you've recently come back to God. There's gifts, there is callings, there's anointings and power that God placed in you before you were ever born. And God's gonna resurrect it here tonight. Hallelujah. If you are one of those things, and you're if you're one of those descriptions that I said here tonight, I don't want to single anybody out. But if you heard the descriptions that I gave here tonight, and that is in the state that you're in. I want you to come. If you're listening by live stream and you're in one of those states, friend, make an altar right where you're at. You don't have to come to this specific altar right here, but an altar is where you meet God at. It can be in your car driving down the road. It could be your couch, your bed, or your recliner. Hallelujah. But if you're not right with Him, I want you to come because there is resurrection power in this house tonight. He's wanting to resurrect your life tonight. Hallelujah. This Pastor Jay here, I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.